Good morning, church. I'm glad to be here today. I knew this was going to be a, a great week today. Uh, several things happened to me this week that just reaffirmed that this was going to be a fantastic week. I went to the car wash, and there wasn't anybody else there, and I pulled in the car wash, and, you know, I had my quarters. I keep a little coin deal of, of quarters. Went there, and there's a stack of quarters already on the little ledge there. And driving home from a ball game uh, that I refereed, college ball game this week, stopped and got something to eat. And when you're all done and you're getting ready to throw your stuff away and you look in the bag and there's a bonus fry. Anybody <laughs> identify and, and like, okay, this is a great. And then I got done with this message on Wednesday. By Wednesday afternoon, I was finished. I still kind of kept working on it, but the part that I have to get it, to the office help to make sure we get the slides and everything done right was done by Wednesday and I'm like this is going to be a great week. I want to let you know I prayed over this message and I thought hard about it and we're continuing our series in 1 Peter and today we're going to wrap up chapter 4. The title of this message is pray for the best, prepare for the worst. And the theme that Peter has just kind of gone over and over in 1 Peter is on suffering. And he wants to address it one last time before he closes out this writing, this letter. He wants us to be ready for suffering. And he tells us here in verse 12, prepare for fiery trials. Read with me verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You know, life is full, full of surprises, and he is telling these believers, don't be surprised. Well, we're surprised every day. You know, some of you may actually remember when a baby had to be born before you found out if it was a boy or a girl. It was, it was always a surprise. Today, the surprise happens at the gender re reveal, right? I love the surprises that we see in those little videos where uh, servicemen and women come home after they've been deployed for a while and they try to maybe sneak up on their, their family and they surprise them and it always is a great thing. Sometimes surprises aren't, aren't always good. You know, sometimes we're surprised and we're like, uh-oh. And, and I was actually visiting with my wife. Where is she at right now? Uh, okay. And I told her I would not tell this story from the Bible about a man by the name of Jacob that worked seven years for a man by the name of Laban for this woman that he was in love with named Rachel. And on the wedding night, he lifts up the veil and they've done the old swap He didn't get Rachel, he got Leah. And she said, I don't like that story. So I promised her I would not tell that story today. On that surprise, okay? So if you see her, just say, hey, he did not tell that story. <laughs> Sometimes uh, maybe you get an award or something. Maybe you go to a doctor and they give you a surprise diagnosis that maybe it's not a good thing. Most of the time, we don't like surprises. And Peter's telling these believers, don't be surprised. This guy went to the perfume counter to get his wife a birthday gift. And the lady helped him and said, oh, 
you know, is there a special occasion coming up? Yeah, it's her birthday. Oh, this is going to be a great surprise. He goes, yeah, it will be. She's expecting a cruise. (sighs) Another couple was car shopping, and they really didn't find anything that really they could afford. She wanted a little sports car to zip around town in, and they went home frustrated. And she said, I tell you what, our, our anniversary is coming up. Just surprise me. I want something that will go from zero to 100 in seconds, okay? He bought her a brand-new bathroom scale, probably not the surprise that she was looking for or wanted, but it was a surprise nonetheless. Well, Peter says that we are to expect suffering... In other words, don't get caught by surprise. Now, immediately, my mind, when he starts talking about fiery trials, my mind immediately goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As you read through the book of Daniel, they were captives taken from Israel. They were thrown into a fiery furnace. They literally went through the fire. When they were thrown in there, though, the Lord was with them. Sometimes the Bible just gives us a reality check, and the Bible is crystal clear that if you are a believer, and I want you to listen to this, if you are a believer, you are to expect suffering as a, for Christ's sake as a part of your life. We're to expect it. Throughout history, and even today, Christians have suffered at the hand of an unbelieving world. I want you to listen to this. 360 million, let me repeat that again, 360 million Christians live in places where they experience high levels of persecution. That's one in seven believers worldwide live in a place that they are going to experience a great deal of persecution. Last year, 4,761 Christians were killed for their faith. Those are the ones that we know about. There are many others that I'm sure we don't know about. That is, the ones we know about, 13 a day. 4,488 churches and Christian buildings were either burned or attacked last year. That's 12 every day. Alex Giesling brought me a picture this morning. We can add one more to that list because this morning, a church in Ukraine was bombed by the Russians this morning, leaving it devastated. This week, uh, I want to share with you what happened in China. This comes from the voice of the martyrs. It says, new internet laws further restrict Christians in China, okay? Now, this is the half a world away. But according to China's new administrative measure of internet religious information, which go into effect actually two days ago, the communist government must approve any information regarding religion posts online, including social media posts, religious videos, or real-time online religious gatherings. Anyone who posts or shares words, images, or videos of a religious nature without government authorization will face swift consequences. Under these new regulations, Internet service providers are required to shut down Internet service to Christians, churches, or organizations that share religious messages without permission. In addition, those who post or share religious information without permission will receive drastic reduction in their social credit score. This could cause them to lose their job, experience more government surveillance, and face travel restrictions and other difficulties. 
Churches will no longer be able to host online worship services or post anything online without government approval, forcing them further underground. Well, that's in China, and you think, ah, big deal, right? That's not going to happen in America. Listen, there have been a lot of things that have happened in America that we said would never happen, right? And the truth is, we are a few votes from Congress away from this kind of stuff happening to us here. So don't say it couldn't happen. I fully expect in our lifetime we won't be able to broadcast our show, I mean, not our show, but our services online. I fully expect that probably Facebook, YouTube will have some kind of religious ban and not allow us to show our services online for everyone that's watching today. So what is this fiery trial that Peter was talking about? What is this painful trial that was, he was telling these believers to expect? Well, the persecution that he was talking specifically about was going to come from above them. It was going to come from the government. And he's wanting to prepare them. And that actually happened. Because I want to give you a little bit of historical background to the writing that Peter is specifically addressing here. In A.D. 64, Nero, the emperor of Rome, burned the city of Rome. He actually set fire to his own city. He wanted to redo it or, or to renovate it, and he didn't care what it was going to take to do that. So he set fire to his own city. They said he was kind of a madman, but apparently he was in a tower, and he watched joyfully, and many people said he even laughed as his own city burned for nine days. The Roman army was... Uh, pre prevented and prohibited anyone who wanted to put out this fire in their city from doing so. And they even started additional fire so that they could just burn the whole city up. And all the while, Nero was smiling and, and happy about this. Well, you can imagine that the repercussions to Nero were, you know, probably his PR rating probably went down. So to save face, he decided he would start an all-out campaign against Christians who were already being suffered and oppressed, harassed. They were slandered. He actually started an anti-Christian sediment, and he instituted an official persecution of Christians, and he ordered the arrest of Christians and had many of them tortured. Many of them were crucified on crosses. During gladiator matches, he would feed the Christians to the lions while the Romans watched and applauded to the amusement because these horrible Christians that burned Rome are now getting what's due to them. He would cover many of them with hides of animal beast, and he would literally feed them to the dogs so they could just be torn to pieces by the dogs. He hung the carcasses of many Christians and lit them on fire for torches at his garden party. So Peter was telling these believers in advance, get ready because some of you are going to go through a fiery trial. He's telling them in advance so they can be prepared. Well, how do you get ready to be burned? How in your mind can you prepare yourself to be burned and put on a, on a cross or fed to lions how can you mentally prepare for that? He tells us 
that we are to rejoice in our suffering. Verses 13, as we continue reading, he says, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of a criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do you do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. This past week, uh, Leah showed me a video of Ukrainian Christians in a tunnel of a subway or train tunnel singing and praising worship songs, rejoicing and worshiping God as their city was being bombed, as their houses were being burned up, and maybe some of their fellow citizens were being killed. They were singing and praising God. That's what it's like to rejoice in suffering. And Peter goes on, he says, that when you suffer, you're being joined with Christ. You're joined together. People that go through traumatic events together often have a bond that's unbreakable. That's why many men who have fought side by side with comrades in arms, when they've gone through that, many of these guys have got a bond for a lifetime. That these guys will get together for reunions and things like that because they have shared a common trial together. The first responders at 9-11 shared a common bond. Peter is saying that when you suffer for Christ, you have this unbreakable bond because you're not only suffering for Christ, you're suffering with Christ. You understand that? That he is there suffering with you. Really, Peter uh, says, though, that sometimes Christians suffer from doing some dumb things. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at some of the dumb things that people do that end up causing them to suffer. And it's their own fault. And Peter says, if you do these dumb things and you suffer, you're not suffering for Christ. You're suffering because you did something dumb and stupid. And he gives us some, a, a little bit of a a list here, some kind of do's and don'ts of suffering. He said, don't suffer because you choose evil. Okay, if you murder somebody and you end up being convicted and go to prison, you're going to suffer. You deserved it, okay? If you're a thief or any kind of a criminal and you get caught and you end up spending some time in jail, you suffered because you deserved it. Any kind of illegal activities and you get caught and you suffer, guess what? You had it coming. But he gets real personal here because he says, or if you're a meddler. Now, really what that means is a busybody. How many people get caught maybe spreading gossip or, or talking bad about somebody and then it gets caught and it comes back to bite them? Oh, poor me. I'm, I, look at me. I brought this misery. Peter says, you deserve it because you're a meddler. You're a busybody. And you deserve what you got. You're not suffering for Christ. You brought that all on yourself. And Peter also says, don't be ashamed of Christ in Christianity when you suffer, but realize that suffering means that you have been found worthy. That word literally means 
to dishonor, okay? We are told not to dishonor the name of our Savior. There's some do's when it comes to suffering. We are to rejoice and be glad. It means to command or take control of our emotions. We are to realize that when we suffer, we experience the extra help of the Holy Spirit. Now, do you understand if you go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in the fire, but guess who was in the fire with them? Remember they threw three of them in there, but when the king and all the guards looked, they said, wait a minute, we threw three in there, and now there's four? Who's this other one? Jesus. Jesus, exactly. Thank you. Jesus was there with them. He's telling you, you're going to have the extra help of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's going to be there. So Christians can rejoice at the suffering they face in this life. Listen to this. Whatever we suffer in this life will be the worst that you ever have to endure for all of eternity. Do you understand that? Regardless of what happens to you on this earth, that's as bad as it will ever get. But those who reject Christ, listen to this. They're going to experience the very best that they will ever have throughout all of eternity right now. So this is a real hard concept to understand. Rejoice doesn't mean really, well, I'm going to be happy. You know, because i got to be honest. When I go through tough times, I'm not happy about it. I don't like it. And I don't think, oh, good, good for me. But he says to rejoice. And really what he means is to be happy because you are bringing joy to Jesus Christ because you are wearing his name with honor. In other words, you made him proud. Navy SEALs, I guess that's a pretty hard program to, to get into from what I understand. And they're kind of an elite group. But if you wear the Navy SEALs symbol, you wear that with honor because it cost you. It was tough to get. You just didn't go down to the store and buy that thing. And then the SEALs themselves will make sure that you don't do anything to bring dishonor to that. That's what Peter's telling us. Wear the name and the, the name Christian as a badge of honor because you're making Jesus proud. Parents, you know, sometimes our kids do some things that make us incredibly proud. You know, sometimes they disappoint us, but sometimes they will take a stand for right and wrong, or maybe they will endure something because they stood up for something that was right or righteous. And maybe they go through some persecution or some being made fun of, but we are so proud of them that they did that because they took a stand for what was right and wrong. And they made us proud that, hey, your last name's a Seibel. I'm proud of you. The name Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. One of those is here. It's a badge of honor. And Peter says, you wear that name with a badge of honor. And don't do anything to bring dishonor to that name, okay? 
I probably have told you this before, but I used to drop off my kids to school, and I would tell them before they got out of the car, make both of your dads proud today. Your heavenly dad and your earthly dad. Make them both proud today. Don't do anything to dishonor the name that you wear. Third thing Peter tells us here is that hard times develop our character. Let's read in verse 17 and 18. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Now, I really believe this is a message that the Church of America needs to hear right now. Do you understand what Peter's saying? God is going to send the refining fire of judgment to judge those within the church. In other words, he is going to purify this church. Gold is purified because it's heated. Things are separated. Impurities are burned off. Scripture says that's going to happen to the church. Now, the ungodly is going to get their time later. You don't want to be a part of that purification process, okay? But he said, now is the time of our fiery trial. Later, the ungodly will have their fiery trial. The fire that we endure now will purify us, and the fire that the ungodly will endure later will punish them. So, I want to tell you something. You want to go through some fire. You want to be purified. You don't want to be punished. You understand that? You want to be made pure and holy as a vessel for the Lord. You don't want to end up with the fire of punishment. You're going to go through one fire or the other. I'm encouraging you to choose the fire that purifies you. Persecution is a sign that you're doing what God wants you to do. You remember the story of Peter? He was a fisherman turned apostle. He decided he would leave his fishing business and he would go be a follower of Christ. So he left his lucrative fishing business there. I think he was a pretty good fisherman. and He left it all behind and he went to follow Christ. But during this time of following Christ, he went through some times of failure. Oh, he got out of the boat initially and started to walk on the water but then when he saw how big the waves were he failed the test and he began to sink it was only because the lord saved him that he that he made it through oh and then in the garden of gethsemane do you remember this that you know he 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 just said hours before lord if everyone else abandons you denies you i'll never will well he took up a sword and literally attacked a servant of the high priest lopped off his ear. Oh, yeah, he was ready to defend Christ, but then a few hours later in the courtyard, he'd been denied even knowing Christ. And he cursed at those who even identified him as one of the believers. But all this testing of his faith, okay, because he had a chance to participate in the suffering of Christ, but he blew it. But all of that testing of his faith was a purification process. And Jesus told him, he said, you know, you're going to be a key pillar in the church. 
but it was because of what he went through, that purification process. God uses suffering to purify us. So the flames of a fiery trial burn away sin and, and all the impurities from our life, the, the impure thoughts, all those things, those are all burned away. And when we go through hard times of testing and suffering, the impurities of our lives are burned away. And the same fire, listen to this, that burns up straw also purifies gold. The purpose is just different. The same fire that will burn up straw will purify gold. Friends, I want to tell you, hard times teach us to trust God in new ways. Ways that maybe you didn't even know were possible. The trial that you may go through may stretch your faith like never before, and you may have to learn to depend on God like you've never had to learn to depend on Him in your entire life. Please don't take this wrong, okay? Because I'm not wishing bad luck on any of you. But I hope each of you get to go through enough fire that you get to go through that purification process so that it refines your faith, that it becomes strong and pure. So that you go through that fire like gold and all the impurities and all the unholiness in our life is just burned away and we are useful vessels for the Lord. But it takes the fire to do that. When we go through that, like I said, I don't wish bad luck on anybody, but when you go through that purification process, your faith is going to grow like it never has before. And when you come through that process, your faith will be pure as gold, and you will be a pure, holy vessel for the Lord. And finally, in verse 19, Peter tells us this, to continue on, don't give up. So then, those who suffer according to God should remain committed themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So he's encouraging you, hey, you're going to go through this fiery trial, but keep going. Keep living for heaven. Don't give up. Life's going to get hard. You're going to get tested. You're going to go through purification process, but keep going because it might be in that most painful trial that you go through may be the greatest opportunity to show Christ to the people around you. The ancient Greek translated this word here, commit, really, it's, it's almost a banking term. It really means to entrust, to like leave your money in deposit. You entrust. So anytime you take money to the bank and you give it to them, you entrust that bank with your money, that they're going to take care of it, that it'll be there when you come back that they're going to safeguard it. That's really what that word commit means, is that you are entrusting your soul to Jesus. You're trusting him to guard what you've trusted him with, your most precious thing that you have, and that's your soul. So when we commit our lives to Christ, we leave our souls in a safe place. And Peter says, hang on. It's going to get tough. It's going to get bumpy. But hang on. Continue on. And friends, I want to tell you something today. Don't worry about being on the wrong side of history. Okay? 
Because today in the world, if you live for Christ, you probably are going to be on the wrong side of history. Don't worry about that, but worry about being on the right side of eternity, okay? If you prepare for the worst and the worst never comes, your life's going to be much easier. But if you prepare for the best and the worst comes, your life's going to be impossible. You may uh, have watched this movie or be familiar with this movie entitled Let's Roll. It's about Flight 93 that on 9-11 was hijacked and but a bunch of, of brave men on that flight took that flight down before it could do any more destruction. It was led by the name of a guy by the name of Todd Beamer. Everything about that flight for Todd was wrong. He caught another flight so that he could spend some extra time with his family. Everything about his death was wrong because he was killed by terrorists who claimed that they were doing this to honor and to serve God. He left a wife, Lisa, with some little children. And if you ever hear the opportunity or have the opportunity to go hear Lisa Beamer speak, go do so because you will be inspired. She had an opportunity to become very, very bitter and angry about what she went through. Or she could have used that opportunity to share her and Todd's faith and the struggle that they went through and the fiery trial that she went through to encourage others in their faith. You know, I've never ran a, a marathon. I've met some people that, that have and have some friends that have. And I understand the first part of that marathon is almost like a party. You know, at the starting line, the crowd is there cheering and chanting and everybody's high-fiving and they're amped up, ready to go. And the first quite a few miles, you've got people all along the, the race route cheering on you and clapping and you feel like you could just run forever. Then about mile 16 or 18, you hit what's called the wall and you're absolutely miserable. Physically, psychologically, you're, you're spent. And all you want to do is stop. You can't feel your legs anymore. You think it's, it's just time to quit. But runners will tell you if you push on, if you'll just keep going, even when you can't feel your legs anymore and you just want to quit, you want to give up, if you'll just keep going, eventually you're going to come to a place that's called the, the finish line. If you just keep putting that one foot in front of the other, just one after the other, pretty soon the miles just click off. And when you cross that finish line, it feels like, like glory. And it doesn't matter if you finished first or if you finished last. The celebration comes from finishing. And you can say, I finished it. I completed it. I made it. Friends, that's what I want to tell you to do today in your, your walk with the Lord. It's going to get tough. Not because I'm some kind of a, a know-it-all, because the Bible tells us, friends, it's going to get tough for us. As believers and we wouldn't be doing our job right as a church I wouldn't be doing my job if I did not warn you that the time of testing is gonna come that you will go through some fire 
But I want to tell you, friends, just keep putting that foot in front of the other. Just keep going. Just keep serving the Lord. Just keep going. When you cross that finish line, it will feel like glory. Glory.